welcome to another episode of You Do What? The podcast where I interview my comedian friends about their traditions and rituals. My name is Cindy Aravina. This week on the show, I have comedian Andrew Ryan Fox. Andrew can be found on Instagram and Twitter at KillAndrewFox. And he also has an album coming out this fall called Andrew Ryan Fox Live at the Velvet Underground. This week, we talk about the punk band that Andrew used to play in and also gambling. So I definitely hope you enjoy this episode. And at the end of the episode, stick around so you can hear the song Little Dog, Big Dick. The name of the the band that you were in. I was in a band, a punk rock band called the Three Tards. Um, the Three Tards. The Three Tards. Yeah, yeah which was uh, not as politically correct as it is now when the band was named back in like 2001. I uh-huh. mean, it was still not necessarily politically mm-hmm. correct, obviously. But I mean, I mean, back then, you know, we were a punk rock band. We just wanted to be kind of dumb and and juvenile, and you know, back then it was still kind of like not really super over the line to, to say like if you, like if your friend was doing something stupid be like ah you're being retarded or something like that like you could still like you'd never do that now like it's right. it's really kind of frowned upon but um, and uh, like obviously if we were naming the band today we probably would not call it that but yeah. back then it was just kind of like a, a slightly controversial but kind of stupid name and mm-hmm. you know we did all these stupid stuff on stage like uh, 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 you know uh, uh, big theatrical shows lots of fake blood and big stupid and all our songs were about really dumb stuff and uh, what were the songs you know, about um, well it's Let's see, uh, we had songs about like lots of songs about like farting and like <laughs> like dogs with like little dogs with big dicks and uh-huh. big dogs with little dicks and um, we had a, we had a song called Man Rapist that uh-huh. was just a, a, it was about like a just a dude who like goes around and like tackles guys in parks and like I don't know it was just it's just dumb right yeah. but I mean like the lyrics aren't like like violent or like mm-hmm. it was just like really stupid yeah it wasn't like take down the government no no nothing we we, yeah. we we specifically didn't want to be that kind of because like. I grew up in the punk rock scene and like there I mean there there were those and there were a lot of those kind of punk rock fans that I like like the political like uh, like all their stuff especially some of the British ones they're good American ones too where it's just like they're everything they do is like the, the system and the government and it needs to be taken down and you know it's all shit and those bands are good but I never wanted to be in a band like that because mm-hmm. I, I don't know it's, it's I want to have fun I don't want to go up on stage and you know preach at people and, right. and lecture people and scream in their faces and tell them like ah this is you know like I, I don't know I just, I just want to go up and sing stupid shit about mm-hmm. you know dumb stuff and have a good time so how old were you when the band started uh, I, the band, I, I actually, cause I joined the band after they'd already played like 15 shows, I think before I joined the band mm-hmm. with another guy, but they never, like it was, they just done a couple of little bar shows. So when I joined the band, I was 23. Uh-huh. Oh, you're just a young kid. Yeah, I was. And that was like, I played in kind of shitty Toronto punk rock bands for a lot of years leading up to that. Like mm-hmm. from the time I was like 15, I was playing in the really, really crappy bands. Like, like, I, like the, like, you know, the, the, the kind that you would never actually want to sit down and listen to. Right. Just like the worst. <laughs> kind of like there's I had the like the this like that period from like the ages of like 15 to 19 or so where if it wasn't like if it was music that was on the radio like if it wasn't just something that was recorded really badly in somebody's basements then I I didn't want to hear it like you were a sellout if you listen to that kind of music like it had just it had to be like as terrible as possible Mm -hmm. was the only kind of shit so those are the kind of bands I played in but uh, yeah this band started when we were 23 we got signed on Universal when we were like 20 when I was like 25 oh wow that that happened pretty quickly yeah we did well we did pretty well pretty like we we blew up. We, we did really well with this sort of all ages punk rock scene in in Toronto and eventually like in Canada in that kind of mid two thousands period. So like you know we toured a lot back and forth across Canada. We were on television a bunch. We were on the radio a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like we did well. We never made any money like at all. Oh really? Probably. Yeah. Oh yeah. Despite no. being on like in TV and everything. There's a there's a thing and it, where it's like if you're like 
and we weren't famous. Like we were within a specific genre of music, we were pretty popular. Like yeah. that's as that's as far as it goes. Like I don't want to be like we were rock stars. Like very we weren't, niche but fan base. very niche fan base. But enough that we could go back and forth across Canada and put five hundred people in a club in any city in Canada, that's which dope, is though. which is not bad, right? I mean, it's it's fun, and you know we could tour without you know spending money out of pocket. You know we'd break even kind of thing, but we never made any money. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. if you don't break in the states, it's really tough to to get to a certain point in Canada where you're actually making money. So, you know, we have a Wikipedia page. That's going to be, I guess, my music legacy. That's all we're going to have. But um, it was fun. You can go on Spotify and find all of our records. Mm -hmm. Not that we, again, ever see. I don't know how the money works with that. I've never (laughs) seen a cent from any of that, but it's there. You can go, you can go into record stores, uh, the few that still exist in Canada and find Mm -hmm. our albums and, you know, shitty dump bins, like mixed in with a million other things. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And what, uh, were you working a day job when you were doing that too? Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I always had to. Okay. I mean, I was living in my parents' basement for like half of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it, and like you know, it's, I'd literally see myself on television while I was living in my parents' basement. Yeah. <laughs> like it was. Yeah. I, I always had day jobs. I mean, they, I you know, I, I bartended for a lot of years mm-hmm. and or worked you know shitty telemarketing jobs that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. There was I always had to be doing something. I, I was never able to make a living off of it. Yeah. yeah. And but but the lifestyle surrounding that is still the same even if you're not even if it's not like your profession oh for sure yeah. absolutely and I mean like again we were popular enough that mm-hmm. I mean again we weren't rock stars by any means yeah. but we got to kind of enjoy like a slight taste of what that must like I don't know how the guys who were like huge rock stars deal with it like we got to enjoy like a very slight taste of what that was like to yeah. like you know go to a place and have like people you know we play a show and there'd be a room full of people singing along and knowing all our lyrics and that kind of thing and you know there was the drugs and the booze and the girls sometimes and like that, that shit yeah. existed for sure but it was not um you know like like it's like a, a one one thousandth of what it must be like for like a real you know band but right right and no one od'd in your in your band no i was actually really the only one in my band who really because i was like for most of the years of the band until like much later on when like my little brother ended up joining the band many years later mm-hmm. and we had a new drummer who was much younger but for the first like six or seven years i was in the band i was a solid decade younger than everybody else oh, like really? when i joined the singer and the guitar player were both like 33 when i was 23 and the uh-huh. and the 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 drummer was like 35 mm-hmm. they they all had wives the drummer had a couple of kids like oh, they were yeah. they were like like they for them it was like a weekend warrior kind of thing that just kind of blew up and uh-huh. became kind of a real thing but uh, it was yeah so like we'd go on tour and they would you know like we'd finish the gig and they'd go back to you know the hotel or whatever person's house we were crashing at and they'd go to bed and I'd go out and party with the locals and right. get super fucked up and yeah yeah okay so yeah they were just kind of past that yeah point. They, exactly they You're were like, well, I still get to, I want to experience all this well exactly so I became mm-hmm. like the designated party guy in the band interesting sorry I'm totally talking over you here I'm no just, no yeah. that's a that's like a really interesting dichotomy to be the the party yeah. guy of the punk band well it was cool because I got to be the one who enjoyed all all the stuff right yeah I mean you know like I say, they, they were married and then, you know, they were, you know, good husbands and there was no yeah. fucking around or anything like that. Nice. They didn't, none of them did any drugs at all. You know, they'd have a few beers, that kind of mm-hmm. thing, but that, that was, you know, or smoke a joint, but that was like as far as it went for them. And they usually, by the end of a gig, they're like, fuck, we're tired. We want to go to bed. Right. And then I would say, okay, I'll see you guys, you know, when you wake up in the morning uh-huh. and I'd go out and get <laughs> super fucked up with whatever were like the most degenerate kind of punk rock locals I could find. So, yeah. yeah. What, um, what was I going to ask? Oh, uh, did you do vocals or were you... I was a bass player. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I um, can't sing at all. <laughs> yeah. So you just kind of... Well, that's also kind of the the 
probably the easiest to approach too in a band is like bass player or drummer because like the front man's going to be very much like full of himself for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Well, singers are and, and are. I mean, to be a good singer, like to be a good. I shouldn't say to be a good singer. To be a good front man, you have to have a certain amount of ego. And like yeah. our singer John definitely has that. A great, amazing guy. Like I'm not trying, but he definitely he's, he's got the ego in the front man. You thing. gotta have that. You, you really do. The best bands have like this crazy maniac for the front man. Oh yeah, no, he was like the definitely the celebrity of the band, and yeah. you know he's still like he's like in the sort of Toronto punk rock scene. He's like a very popular kind of beloved guy. So yeah. still yeah. still playing. Uh, he doesn't do much in the way of music anymore. He just he just kind of has his kind of you know his sort of like music celebrity presence now that yeah. he still has a kind of a big fan base, but he doesn't really do much. With it. Yeah, <laughs> he just kind of like likes it. Yeah, and you're yeah. just like, oh, that's, yeah, that's the guy I used to play music with. It's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, that old guy. Um, so, so talk to me about the the drugs. Well, there was a lot. Well, I mean, I didn't, and I guess. Did you start doing them because of the band? No, 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 no. I started doing drugs when I was like, because I left home when I was really young. So mm. I started, I mean, I started smoking pot when I was like 13. Oh, wow. And then by 14, I was doing, you know, acid and shrooms and that kind of stuff. And by 15, I was into, you know, heroin and meth and, oh, wow. and that kind of stuff. And I got, yeah, I left home when I was like 14 or just after I turned 15, I left home mm-hmm. and I was like on this street in Toronto for a while. And then I hitchhiked actually to California from Toronto. Oh, wow. When I was like 15, I hitchhiked to San Francisco and that's where I got into like the really heavy stuff. That's where I, I sort of got into heroin and I got into meth and mm-hmm. I'd already been doing some cocaine, but I got a lot heavier into it. And like I, I was doing, I do a bit now on stage and part of the bit was me listing like all of the the drugs that I've done mm-hmm. and the bit is that I like there's no punchline it's just I just keep going and yeah. going and it's like it's like 45 long of different <laughs> kinds of drugs that I've done and I, it's true like I've done all of them and it just it goes on for like a solid like minute of just me naming drugs can you just name them off the top of your head yeah well I mean now I kind of know the list when I first yeah. started doing it yeah I was kind of naming them off the top of my head but it just it just keeps I feel going like you'd have to have like a mnemonic device like King Philip cried out for a green soup <laughs> it's true yeah I do I need to come up with that yeah exactly some some sort of a mnemonic <laughs> a- acronym yeah <laughs> yeah, well, it goes, yeah, I just, I go through, like, the, yeah, it's, uh, it was a lot. Uh-huh. And then cocaine was probably the one that was sort of the thing that I ended up doing. I mean, heroin I was into for a little while, but I'm not really a downer mm-hmm. guy. Like, And then so cocaine was, like, the thing that I got really, really, really into for a lot of years. Yeah. And then would go off of it for a while and go back on it mm-hmm. for a while. And so, yeah, that's where I sort of developed any sort of, you know, real kind of fixation with something. Right. Yeah. Did you ever go to rehab during no, that time? I, I never specifically went to rehab. Um one time when I was in California, when I like had quit heroin and had to come back to, to Canada, I got sick. Uh, I, I got hepatitis A. Luckily, it was only A. Mm-hmm. So you get it and it goes away and you never get it again. But I got sick, so I had to go to like a rehab place in San Francisco. And then I was only 16 at that point because I'd been there past my birthday. And they like they, they dried me out for a couple of days and then shipped me back to Canada. Wow. Yeah. Was that a weird... <laughs> I know that's not what to do with the punk stuff, but, like, holy shit, what was that like as, like, a 16-year-old just, like, being like, all right, you got to go back to your, your country? Well, it was, I mean, they, they tried to send me back a couple times before. I got arrested in Oakland, like, a few months before mm-hmm. that, and they tried to send me back on a bus, and this time they sent me on a plane. I, it happened to me, too, when I was, like, when I was 16, I went back to the States, and I got deported. I was in Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. we got drunk in the woods next to a brewery and stole a bunch of beer, and ended up <laughs> doing a month in juvie in, in, like, a little small town in Wisconsin, and then getting, I got deported back to Canada. I couldn't go back to the States till I was, like, 18. Yeah. Yeah. Do they just like give you like a like some Canadian money be like all right kid get no, out of they, here. they literally like I was in this juvie 
And then when I got out, they literally like the, the who are like who, I, I don't know if it was U.S. Marshals or whatever the equivalent is for like the, the for juvies. I, like I, I doubt it was anything as fancy as U.S. Marshals, but like uh-huh. two people like accompanied me to the. They take you to the Minneapolis airport because it was the closest one, and they literally literally like walked me through the airport, like sh- leg shackled and handcuffed to a waist belt, oh my God. and <laughs> put me on a commercial pl- flight like that. Like literally, literally sat me down next to an old lady, uh-huh. like like this, you know. And I had like big mohawks and like shitty ripped up punk rock clothes, and I was literally handcuffed and shackled and they put me down next to an old lady undid the stuff and then got off the plane and waited till it took <laughs> off I never saw anybody in my life look that terrified yeah. she was like and, but then we ended up talking because I mean once we you start talking to me it's mm-hmm. pretty obvious that I'm not like a you know, psychopath. Like a psychopath exactly yeah. but yeah she looked pretty scared when they put oh me on the plane oh my god yeah. that's so wild <laughs> um, so so did you pretty much like do drugs like the whole like between you know the 13 and the band I did yeah I I mean I was pretty heavy into drugs right up until a few years ago Uh and then even then there was sort of a weaning off period where I was still kind of an occasional user I don't really do drugs anymore yeah you know I don't want to say never like I never will again or I'm not in recovery or anything like that I mean who knows the situation may present itself or I'm in a party and somebody but I don't really like I have no real urge to anymore also a big thing that kind of cured me of wanting to do any drugs is there's a big uh, fentanyl crisis in Canada right now. Oh, interesting. Which is where, like, at first it was just with heroin, because fentanyl's like a, it's a, it's a, a, like a pharmaceutical opiate that they use in, like, surgeries and stuff Mm -hmm. in hospitals. And what happened was dealers were getting it because it's a lot cheaper and a lot more potent than they would put a little bit of fentanyl in with heroin because it would, they'd be able to make much stronger heroin for much cheaper. Right. The problem is it's so powerful that if you do a tiny bit too much, people were dying all over the place. And then some fucking bright guy got the idea of, oh, well, we'll start putting a tiny little bit of it in with cocaine because it it just you know because you're you're high enough on blow a little bit of something else it just makes you feel like you're higher right so the problem is with cocaine at least with heroin people are somewhat careful with their doses with cocaine people just do big fat rails like they don't care it's like "Ah, i'm doing it they put out a big party rail and they're doing it and so suddenly there were like dozens of people dying every weekend of like and kids like like teenagers or like 20 year olds who just you know picked up the grandma blow from their local dealer and just did what they always do you know go and do a couple bumps in the bathroom and then they they die uh-huh. And so it's like, you know what, I don't want to fuck around. Like, it's not, it's not worth it to, to, you know, it's fun enough, but it's not worth it to, like, this rail could kill me kind of right. thing. So That's then it was smart. <laughs> yeah, it was really easy to stop once that became a real problem. Oh, good. Yeah, because yeah, there's probably a lot of people that would just keep going for it. There are. And, you know, people, yes, I mean, a lot, I still know people who do, obviously, but... Um, yeah, no, it's not really for me anymore. It's uh, so I don't know. It's expensive and it's a you know the calm down sucks and you yeah. feel like shit for days after, especially at my age. Like I'm 37 now, you feel like shit for a while mm-hmm. afterwards, and it's not really my cup of tea anymore. And I I don't smoke pot because it's, it's fucks with my head. And mm-hmm. I, most drugs kind of fuck with my head. Although I did try DMT the other day for the first time because I really wanted uh-huh. to, just because I never have before, and somebody had it at a party, and it's fucking crazy. You're high for like 10 minutes and then you're normal yeah, now, but it's fucking. I don't know if you've ever. Did you, or, no, I have not. Yeah. Did you feel like you died? No, it was amazing. Like yeah. it was, it was like I felt like I was in another dimension. It Holy was, shit! It was nuts. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because it's like a thing I've heard Rogan talk about for years, and I was like, you know, it was there. It was at a party. I'm gonna try it. Yeah. Yeah. Neat. Wow. Yeah. I'm. That's interesting to hear that it wasn't a bad experience doing it at a party because. Some people are just like, no, don't ever do it like with people. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I guess if it had been something like I won't do acid anymore because mm-hmm. um, I did a. As I said, another thing I do I, I do the story on stage is like I, I accidentally did thirty hits of acid once at a time. Like, I got I got, <laughs> I got dosed with what I thought was just a little bit, but it turned out to be like like it was a lot. It was like thirty hits, and I was fucked up for like sixty hours, like two and a half days, oh my just God. completely gone. And it's it's fucked me up for being able to do any kind of hallucinogen since then. Yeah, but I figured with DMT, it's literally it's ten. 
minutes and you're normal again. So I'm like, fuck it. How, you know, I, I can, I, even if it's terrible, I can stomach it for, right. I can, I can tough it out for 10 minutes to see, but it actually, it wasn't, it was actually super fun, but a little terrifying, but a little bit terrifying. Yeah, little yeah. Bit, yeah. Um, so going back to, to the band, would, would you perform on drugs most of the time? No, I, I, I was always good about not getting high before oh, okay. we went on stage. It was yeah. al- always after. After, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I drink before, and even then I, I, I'd, ha- I'd have to be careful because mm-hmm. there were a couple of gigs, especially earlier in the band, where I'd get, like, wasted before we went on stage, and then it was just, like, we were good. Like, the one thing, like, as dumb as our lyrics were and as, like, you know, as stupid as, like, the band name and the kind of stuff we did, we were all good musicians. Like, the music was always really tight and, and like, like it, it, was, it wasn't just shitty three-chord punk rock. Like, it was good, kind of metally hardcore. Like, it was, like, the music was always good and we had, a, we were really good live and it's just, so if I had even, like, a, like a few too many beers, it, I would fuck up the whole thing. And then a couple times I got, like, too wasted before and just totally fucked up our set. And I was like, so that was, I, I was, no, I, like, I'd have, like, three beers maximum before we went on stage. But yeah, once the gig was done, yeah, yeah. just fucking insane. And what were some of the rituals, like, involved with that? With with the band, well, yeah, or with, yeah. The, or with drugs, well, with both, yeah. If you want but to the, with the band, I mean, I don't know about rituals with the. I mean, we didn't have any kind of you know like oh we we do this thing before every set mm-hmm. or we didn't really have anything like that. It, it, more just like you know like the, all of us had our own thing. I would always have a few beers. Um, John the singer, he would like go into a trance before the set. Like he wouldn't talk to anybody for like the last hour or so or yeah. half hour before we went on stage we had our first guitar player Mike he he was a real like he was an amazing guitar player but he was super antisocial like he hated people so he would just hide backstage so he didn't have to talk to anybody the whole the whole set yeah and, uh, but yeah there weren't with drugs though I always had a lot of rituals with drugs um, with cocaine particularly they, they kind of would change every once in a while but I always had very specific things that I would do when mm-hmm. I would do it um, which um, you know like like the ways I would I would lay it out or things that I would do afterwards or, you know, I, I was in, lived in Mexico for a couple of years and I had, a, there was, had different ways that I did it down there because of the humidity in the air. There were certain different ways you had to kind of do mm-hmm. it. So, I mean, I don't know if you want specifics on that. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah. <laughs> go ahead and yeah. do it. Yeah. Well, um, humidity affect it? Well, it's because when I would do it here, here or in Canada, particularly, you know, like I, I just take, you know, whatever I had and I just dump out like, you know, however much I had a gram or, or, or two grams or an eight ball or whatever. I just dump out the whole pile and then just take like a little bit of it, you know, like, like, like a, a rail at a time. So I could always see how much was left. The problem is where I was in Mexico, I was in uh, Playa del Carmen, which is the mm-hmm. Caribbean coast, like about an hour south of Cancun. And like, that's cut out of, you know, jungle, like swamp jungle, like mangrove, right. uh, uh, uh forest so it's the humidity there is insane like it's it and it literally like if you poured out your pile you would just watch it shrink because they yeah. it, the moisture in the air and it would also it would get gummy and you couldn't do anything with it so like literally there you, you'd have to like like open the bag get out like the little bit you're doing as quickly as possible and then close the bag as quickly as possible <laughs> to try to keep as little as little air as possible from getting into the bag right. otherwise you'd end up with a paste so we do a thing there where like the way we do it is take a little straw and we literally open the bag and put the straw in and take a little bit out close the bag and then do it straight from the straw oh my god and then um, but I always had yeah there was always you know like that's I, I always like putting the pile out and then afterwards there were always kind of little rituals when it was closing up you know I'd always make sure that you know like I'd dump the bag out but I would I, I wouldn't like really squeeze it out and then I'd close all like especially if I had multiple bags I'd close them all and they always had a little bit left and then at the end of the night I'd pour them all on the thing and I'd like like put it all on the end of a cigarette and I'd smoke it that was kind of one thing that I did for a while and then I stopped doing that for a while and then it, it became I would like collect bags for like a month mm-hmm. and I would just like like I would just I'd never quite get rid of the end of the bags and then like after a month I'd have like a big pile of them and then I would have enough to do like 
you know, three lines. Right. Yeah. Just like your little savings account. Yeah. Well, it's even like when I was doing uh, heroin, because I, I mean, I, I used to shoot it up. I mean, again, I haven't used a needle in 22 years. Mm-hmm. I think like I was, it was like 19 or 21 years. 1996 was the last time I used a needle. Um, what are we, yeah, we're 2017 now. So yeah. Um, and that was even like, I really enjoyed that. Like I liked the process of like, some people are like, like I won't do needles cause I hate needles. I loved it. Like I loved the whole pro. I loved like, like I loved to cook and I loved, you know, pulling it up and I loved putting it in my arm and I loved, you know, seeing the little flag of blood when you pulled it. Like I liked it so much that like I would do it, even if I didn't have drugs, I would do it with just with water just for the, oh wow just for the, like the, 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 cause I enjoyed the experience and you get like a little bit of a sort of a placebo high just mm-hmm. from doing the whole kind of thing yeah did what what did you like so much about the process did you make make you feel like a scientist no i, I don't know it was it was i don't know it made me feel cool i don't know yeah. like it was just like, it's such like a, this is the most dangerous of yeah, all yeah it's like which it's so dumb right but i mean because i mean but you're, i was a teenager i was 15 right. when i was doing this and you know I'd, i i'd been listening to lou reed and i'd been watching you know pulp fiction and that kind of shit and seeing you know when mm-hmm. travolta does it in the car and he you see you know like the real close-up of when he pulls it back and you see the blood shoot into the needle before he he, he you know he injects and it's like I don't know. It was just it was cool f- to me. Which, yeah. Which again, I mean, that's a dumb teenager thing too, right? Yeah. I mean, like it's the same reason I st- you know I smoke cigarettes, which is the dumbest habit in the world. But I started smoking cigarettes because when I was thirteen, I was dumb enough to think that it was cool. Mm-hmm. And then you know you get hooked, and twenty some odd year, twenty four years later, I'm still doing it, and it's it's dumb. Like like still enjoying smoking cigarettes is like like or still smoking them, even though I like I know how stupid it is. It's like if I. Still, I mean, this was the early '90s. It's like if I still wore like overalls with one strap undone, <laughs> but I like had to do that for 25 years because of, I thought it was cool in the summer of 1993. Yeah. Like it's 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 so stupid. Or I still wore my pants backwards like crisscross. Uh-huh. It's just it's really dumb. Yeah, but yeah, by that point you're you don't even you lose sight of like why you even started to, to do it. Yeah, well, it's, you get you get hooked on it. I mean, exactly. I, I smoke. I mean, I've cut down actually a lot lately, but I mean, I smoked a, like a, a well over a pack a day for well over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So. It's uh, and it's it's just it's so dumb. You get nothing from it. It's just killing you. But yeah. uh, you know, you thought it was. You think it's cool when you're young. That's why I never understand. Every now and then, I'll meet somebody who starts smoking. Like my little brother didn't start smoking until he was 19. To me, that's <laughs> the dumbest thing in the world. When you're 19, you're supposed to be old enough to know how stupid it is and not to be dumb enough to think it's cool. Yeah, but I've known a good amount of people that didn't start it until they were like later in life. I'm like, why? No, well, exactly. Yeah. Why would you? Like, like there's there's absolutely no reason to mm-hmm. to start smoking now. But. Uh, uh, I mean, I wish I never had, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. you got to die at some point. <laughs> um, what, um, so there was, like, did you ever go on, like, any, um, I mean, besides touring, did you ever go on, like, any trips with the band, like, just yeah, for bonding? Yeah, we did. We actually, we used to do fishing trips. Oh, cool. Because um, our, the John, the singer, he's, a, he's, he's, he's really, he's actually even more so now. He's, like, actually, like, a, a, a very well-recognized uh, muskie fisher. Now, muskie are big big I don't know if you know like they're they're big freshwater fish in Canada like uh-huh. up in the lakes up in Ontario they, they grow up to like 50 60 inches like they they get really big and uh, he's he's like but he he's just he's huge into fishing like he's 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 been on like TV for it and stuff and so he used to go on these fishing trips he had this little lake where you'd have to drive like way the hell out to the middle of nowhere in Ontario and then you'd have to even after that you then have to take like canoes down to like a like a little <laughs> river and like like fo- like you'd have to like like carry them over beaver dams and stuff into this little lake and then with like completely secluded and we spent like three or four days on this lake fishing. So we, used to, yeah, we, we did that a lot. Um, and we just touring, like we just, the touring was always fun for us. Yeah. You know, like we just, you know, like we, we enjoyed 
each other's company. We liked being on the road. With, I mean, by the end of it, you know, two, three week tour on the road, we'd want to kill each other. Right. But, or if it was longer, like we definitely want to kill each other. But we just we always had a good time together. Yeah. Yeah. Where would you guys stay? Like in hotels, motels. Sometimes it depended on the gig, right? Mm-hmm. If it depended on like like you know some sometimes they would put us up in a hotel or a motel. Sometimes we were playing in the bar of a hotel and they put us up. But a lot of the time it was just like crashing on somebody's floor, mm-hmm. like you know whoever the promoter was or like one one of the other bands or something would just you know like here you can crash at my place. And some of those places were disgusting like just I, terrible. I remember staying in a place in Prince Edward I don't know if you know Canada at all but Prince, Prince Edward Island is the, it's the smallest province and it's a little island off the coast of uh, New Brunswick and it's famous for it's like the Idaho of Canada it's famous for its potatoes it has this red dirt like the whole like it's the whole island is, is like this is clay so it's the whole island like the whole, all the dirt the whole island's red and then they grow potatoes they're, they're oh, like I say cool. yeah but we st- so we stayed at this guy's house um, and I've never seen a house this disgusting. Like it was, it was so terrible. But then also, like all throughout the house, where there's just these giant fucking sacks of potatoes yeah. everywhere. Was he a hoarder? I, I don't know. No, he was just dirty. Yeah. Like he was just, he was just. And the funny thing is, like he was like, a, like his job was a chef. So like this horribly gross guy who then goes out in the world and like prepares people's foods. Right. And it was just so like I remember like we got there and like we we were dying to take a shower and we got there and we walked in the bathroom. We're like we're not taking it. Like we'll come out of the shower dirtier than we went into the shower. Right. Like it was just disgusting. And I I remember like I slept on this futon that he had, or like a pull-out couch that he had in his kitchen for some reason. I don't know <laughs> A place he could go? Yeah. It was that like, wasn't filthy? Yeah, ex- well, no, it was still it filthy. It was still filthy. But yeah, so, and I'm sleeping, so I remember waking up in the morning, and I'm sleeping, uh, like I wake up, and I, I'm like in a, my, my sleeping bag, like wrapped up as tight as I can, so I don't have to touch anything that's not, yeah. you know, mine. <laughs> Your quarantine. And I wake up, and he, the dude who lives, whose house it was, the disgusting guy, who's like this gross dude with like a big bushy beard, is literally standing over me. Oh my god. And he fucking hands me a potato and, and leaves and I was like half asleep I didn't realize it was a potato because like they're these red potatoes yeah. so I thought he handed me an apple and I fucking took a oh bite out of it aren't potatoes poisonous if they're raw I don't know if they're poisonous. They're pretty gross. Yeah. I've never heard that they're... Are they really? I've, I've never heard, heard that. that. Yeah, if you, you're not supposed to eat potatoes raw because it's poison. Uh, that I didn't know. I know you're not supposed to eat, like, rhubarb, I think, can poison yeah. you. But I've never heard that about... But they're just... Raw potatoes are just disgusting. Yeah. They're, they're gross. And I, I I took, like, a big, like, apple bite out oh, of it. And then God. spit it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I was, I was, like, half asleep and I had this round red thing in my hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just hands you a goddamn potato. <laughs> 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 so and I don't know how long he'd been standing over me either. Because, like, he was, like, looking down at me when I woke up. It was really odd. He was like, ah. Yeah. He was probably going to kill you with it. I was like, oh, maybe this potato will do the job. And the funny thing is, he, he, called, he called himself Dr. Unk. What the hell? Like, was like drunk but with the, oh. yeah, Dr. Unk. <laughs> fucking weird, man. Man, that's, uh, that's, that's one, wild. That's one of the fun things about punk rock is you meet these really weird mm-hmm. people. And then you also, the other the other flip side of it is you also get to play with these, like, I, like if you grow up and your favorite band is like is the Rolling Stones, mm-hmm. like the chances of you ever, you know, opening for them or playing with them is like, you know, one in a billion. But, like, I, like, all the bands that I loved growing up, I ended up playing with all of them. Mm-hmm. Like, bands like, like, the, the, the Misfits and DOA and SNFU and... Oh, it's uh, cool. You had to and, open for them? Yeah, all, like, all these, like, oh, all these bands awesome. that I grew up, like, we did a little tour with the Misfits and, like, these are the bands that I loved from the time I was a kid. Yeah. So that's one of the cool things about being in a punk rock band is if you, you know, if, if you if you work hard and you're, you're good, like, it's, it's, it's much more possible to, like, actually meet these people and play mm-hmm. with these people that, like, you grow up idolizing, so... What was, like, the... 
the coolest band that you that you got to meet that you were a fan of? Probably. I mean, the Misfits are my favorite band of all yeah. time. I mean, I've got the tattoo, right? Uh. And I mean, granted, like when we we opened for them uh, like a bunch of times. And granted, it wasn't the like the the original lineup. It was just kind of the bass player uh, who I mean was my favorite anyways because I'm a bass player. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, it was still like we were. You know, I got big posters of me opening for them, and one of the Ramones was in the band at the time. Oh, the guy nice. from Black Flag was in the band at the time. I don't know. It was cool. Yeah. And then a bunch of the Canadian bands that I really grew up loving mm-hmm. bands like DOA and SNFU and uh, Forgotten Rebels and Dayglobeboards. Like I mean, there's a, like a lot of really great bands. Mm-hmm. Should I keep doing that? No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like that's the one of the really cool things about mm-hmm. it. And they were all cool dudes. No one was a yeah. Shit. No, nobody that I can think of of like the bands that like I was really excited to play with was ever a douchebag to mm-hmm. us whatsoever. Like they were all you know. And some bands like I'm doing. I'm in Toronto. Um, doing my album in like uh, a week I fly to Toronto I'm recording my album and um, one of the bands who I grew up listening, one of the actually one of the most famous punk bands in Canadian history a band called the Vile Tones which in Canada were like a huge thing and the singer of that band like like you know I met him a bunch of times I mean he's been promoting my like comedy album show for for weeks now and I mean this is a guy who when I was a little kid I you know so I don't know it's cool yeah yeah that's super cool. You, yeah, they usually say, like, don't meet your heroes, but it sounds like you've had pretty good experiences with well, those guys. Well, I think part of it, too, is, you know, with punk rock, you, you don't go into it expecting much as long right. as they're not just a total asshole. Like, you expect them to be kind of degenerate weirdos who are, uh-huh. you know, really fucked up. Like, you're not going into it thinking they're going to be, you know, like, like, like I, I guess people meet, like, movie stars or whatever, and they expect them to be these, you know, these, like, charitable, super nice, like, you know, crazy. You don't expect much out of, you know, crazy punk rock fans, but yeah. you do hope that, like I say, that they're just not total assholes. Mm-hmm. And I can't, they're, once or twice I'd probably come across some people that I was like fuck that guy's kind of a dick but nothing too terrible yeah, yeah. Not, not a super strong impression no no okay well it's fair yeah yeah <laughs> um, any before we go into uh, gambling oh yeah any, Gamble, fuck I got a lot of vices eh yeah. Jesus yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, any final thoughts on, on the band or, or the t- things you did during that time well I just I mean I miss it you know I love yeah. like I love doing comedy I love doing comedy and I mean I mainly started doing comedy because after the band broke up I wanted to still be on stage mm-hmm. and it's tough to like especially once you're in your, into your 30s it's tough to kind of find three or four other guys and to wrangle them to like you know to to, to really be serious as a band you, you can't just like get together once every couple of weeks or once a month like you gotta it's a it's a job like when we were it, like at the like the height of the band when it was popular we were putting 40 50 hours a week into the band on top of our 40 hour a week day jobs yeah, like we were doing it was just sure. yeah like non-stop either uh you know uh, uh practicing or recording or promoting or you know john the singer and i we used to go out and put up twenty thousand or uh, uh two thousand flyers a week so like we, we put up like thousands of flyers we uh-huh. literally put up like two thousand flyers a week even if we didn't have a show we just put up flyers with like our band name and some stupid thing that we came just mm-hmm. to get the name out there so you gotta like and so, so the find four other guys at, at, at my age who or at the time in, my, in your 30s who want to put that kind of commitment into something especially now that it's you know the, the path to actually getting anywhere and making money with a band has become so much harder than oh, even yeah. it was 15 years ago there's no radio really anymore mm-hmm. at least not anything that's you know there's no there's no music you know music video television I mean it's just mm-hmm. like to break it's through it's basically free now yeah like you ex- exactly you can't really like, labels aren't signing new bands to big contracts anymore because you have to make your money through merch sales or touring it's not through album sales anymore and there's just not the avenues to promote it so it's yeah so that's why I started doing stand up mm-hmm. but I mean honestly as much as I love doing stand up like there's something about being in a band with you know like with an instrument and you know in front of a crowd who knows all your stuff that mm-hmm. it's ah, it's just great I really yeah. miss it yeah 
That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, when, how long were you in the band? Like, when did it, the band? Well, we broke up as a full-time band in 2009. Okay. So oh, that was. That was, for a long time. Well, and but then even after that, we kind of would do these reunion shows every year or two mm-hmm. up until just I think like the last one was like twenty fifteen. Oh wow, was the last one. So just yeah. a couple of years ago. But that was like we do like one show a year. Sometimes like one show every two years because I mean our popularity. Like what happened was you know our like our fan base were teenagers mostly, right? Mm-hmm. Kids who were fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, and you know they grew up. And, you know, suddenly, you know, like, they, we still have our fans, but it, it dwindled a lot. And we, it, it, a lot of the all-ages clubs in Toronto disappeared. We weren't really kind of building a new fan base anymore. So, you know, where we used to be able to put, you know, five, six, seven hundred people in a club every month, it became a thing where, like, you know, we, if we have one show a year, we can fill a club. And it was fun to do that. And even then, after a while, after three or four of those reunion shows, even those started to dwindle where it was like, oh, well, only, you know, a hundred people showed up for this one. And then it was just kind of, you know what, like... Maybe every 10 years we'll do yeah. one, and then we can fill a club again, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. build up the hype over an extended period of time. Yeah, exactly. It, just, it becomes longer and longer mm-hmm. that people have to wait before they're excited to see you again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Well, I hope you guys do get to play again. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. I'd love to play down here, but uh, yeah. I mean, who, who the hell would know who the hell we are down here? But Hey, make it known. Yeah, yeah start <laughs> pushing it now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Maybe by 2020. Exactly. Or, you know, make it as a comedian and then it's a novelty to see, right, the, see, right. see the comedians like his, his old band. Yeah. Yeah. That would, yeah, that would be, I could see that happening. That, that's for sure. ex- exactly. It's uh-huh. like people who go to see, you know, Keanu Reeves' stupid band yeah. or, or, or Jared Leto's stupid band or whatever. Like, I like The Matrix. I like yeah, the it's exa- <laughs> exactly. Like, no, nobody's a dog star fan. They right. go to see it because Keanu Reeves is in the band, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about um, gambling. gambling. Yeah. Yeah. So, to, Let's start with how you got into it. So, horse-based riding? Well, I started... Horse-based riding? Horse, yeah, well, when I was a little kid, because my grandfather was, like, he, he was he was very into horses. I mean, he he liked to gamble a little bit in a bunch of stuff, you know? Like, he used to... He used to, we used to he used to own race horses when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. At, uh, uh, so he used to take me down to what was the old Greenwood Race Track, which is gone now in, in uh, like the east end of downtown Toronto. And he'd, he'd have horses there, and he used to place little bets for me. And he'd show me how to read the racing form and uh-huh. kind of how to pick a horse. And, and you know, as I got a little older, he taught me a little more. And you know, he'd let me like like he he'd, he'd take he place like a two dollar bet for me. Yeah. And then you know, as I got older, he taught me a little bit more. And but then we also we used to, they they used to have a condo in Florida, and we used to go down to Florida every year. And so we'd also go to like the dog track or we'd go to the high like games or like he, he liked to gamble a little yeah. bit. So I kind of, that's where I kind of picked it up. And, um, it's also where I picked up the thing where like, I don't like to, I'm not a big lottery guy. I don't like slot machines. I don't like gambling where there's no, there's no knowledge or skill. And I mean, yeah. it's all gambling. Like, it's not like, it's like, Oh, I know so much about horse racing. I always win. It's nothing like that, but at least you have somewhat of a, like you're deciding on something based on some information. Yeah. You feel as, like you have some control. Exactly. It's not just like pulling a lever and hoping for the best. There's no, to me, there's no thrill in that. Yeah. Like what's the, I mean, yeah, it's nice when you win, but you, there's no, you know, like you didn't, you, there's no skill involved. There's no, you didn't put anything into it. So yeah. that's why like, I like horse racing. I like poker a lot. Because poker, I mean, poker's a fun game, and again, it's you're using information in poker. You can play it in casinos, and you're not playing against the house. You're playing against other players. So it's 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 more of a pure kind of, you know, skill and math and being able to read people and understand, you know, how to play the game sort of thing. I like sports betting a lot because, again, you can base it on information. I mean, you never have all the information, and, you know, it's not like anything's ever a lock. But at least you can make more educated bets. And even some table games and casinos, like, you know, some of them are, are, are dumb. But some of them are still like you're actually making decisions based on 
on some information. So, mm-hmm. but did you um, did you place bets on hockey? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, in Canada, we have a thing called uh, ProLine, which mm-hmm. is like it's like government. It's like a government run sports book. Like yeah. you, you can do it. Like it's actually it's kind of shit. Like the, the the odds are all kind of out of whack for the way they should be in like a Vegas sports book. But it's literally like you can go to the corner store and you can bet on hockey games or football games. Oh, interesting. And yeah, it's like part of the lottery thing. I don't know if they have that down here or not. I don't but think uh, so. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen it down here. So yeah, so I used to do that all the time, and you play like these three game parlays against for hockey mm-hmm. teams, and uh, hockey's probably this is the sport. I know the best because I mean you know as a Canadian you grow up with it I played for 11 years and mm-hmm. you know my family are all diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fans and you kind of you know my going back generations so you kind of grow up with it there but uh, yeah yeah is there like a Vegas of Canada it's not so much Vegas Canada has casinos mm-hmm. um in some places, like uh, Windsor, which is right across the uh, the border from Detroit, mm-hmm. has had casinos, and so they get a lot of people coming across from Detroit. I think Detroit actually might have its own casinos now, but it used to be they used to come. Same with Niagara Falls, used to have casinos on the. I think the the American side has now too, but it used to be just on the Canadian side, so lots of people would come across to the Canadian side to gamble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's the the uh, it's a lot like here. It's the the, the native reservations, okay. or, or we call them reserves in Canada. But they, mm-hmm. there's a lot of casinos on them. Uh, there's a couple just outside of Toronto, mm-hmm. and and there are casinos in some of the big cities too. Montreal has casinos. Uh, Hall, Quebec, uh, Vancouver has casi- has mm-hmm. a couple of casinos in the city. Okay. Yeah. But it's not like this like big like. No, there's not. Like, there's not like a like a Vegas or an Atlantic City kind of like mm-hmm. mecca of gambling in Canada. It's, oh, okay. it's more just like it's kind of allowed in so many places that mm-hmm. it's you just go to where, wherever it is. Yeah. How are um, how are like taxes on uh, gambling? That's right? the good thing in Canada. There aren't. No. When you win anything, gambling. If you win the lottery, if you win on like. A Canadian game show, you get to keep you get everything. everything. There's no wow. tax, and I have a little experience with this because I had what happened to me here in the states uh-huh. when I won the Price Is Right. Oh, you were still you're still well. You, I mean, you're still a Canadian. I mean, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's an American yeah. show, so I ended up having to forfeit pretty much everything <gasps> I won because they wanted thirty. Because I won the showcase, and I won what they call thirty thousand dollars in prizes, which isn't really because they value everything at, at, at these like crazy, super inflated rates. Right. But they still wanted thirty seven percent upfront in taxes of the way they value the prizes. So to collect my prizes, I would have had to give like like thirteen five, fourteen grand right. just to collect what I'd won. Oh my god! So yeah, I ended up forfeiting pretty much everything. And they ended up sending me a check for like a thousand bucks later on. They, like I was able to get cash in lieu for a couple of things, but nowhere near as much as like what I obviously should have been able to get. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. It's just because who's got fourteen grand laying around? To, yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Wow, yeah. So Canada doesn't. Have yeah, anything. Canada, you get to keep if you win something. Is yeah, if you win the now. Granted, the lotteries in Canada are a lot smaller than here. Right? Yeah. I mean, the biggest lottery in Canada might get up to forty, fifty million. Okay. And that is very rare. That might happen once every year or two that uh-huh. it gets up that high. Usually, the, the highest it'll ever get is maybe twenty. Whereas here, they get three, four hundred million dollar lotteries all the time. Mm-hmm. So even if you lose, you know, half of that, you're still you know making five times what you're going to get from any Canadian lottery. But uh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what was it? What else was it gonna say? Um, is it? I mean, are the casinos like they are here? Like you can smoke in them and no, you can't. can't. No, you, you can't, can't. You can't. No, you can't. And also, you can't. You, uh, they, they can't do the free drink thing in Canada. Like the way they, you know when you go to Vegas, like yeah. you're in a Vegas casino. As long as you're gambling, they'll keep bringing you free drinks all night. Canada, they, they it's illegal. They can't do that. You have oh. to be have to pay, which is kind of a bummer because that's one of the great things about Vegas is even if you're totally broke, you can buy a you know get a roll of nickels and play nickel slots just so you can get the free booze, right? Yeah. And they'll 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 keep bringing them as long as you keep you know shoving stuff in. So it must be kind of boring at the casinos then. 
then. Well, I mean, you still drink. You just have to pay for it, okay, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're allowed to drink. We just, they, they just, they, it's not quite as fun. I mean, they still, I mean, prices are still good because casinos want you to get drunk, right? Right. Like, they, they, like that's part of their, the way that they, you know, like, strong people are the pe- people who dump all their money. That's yeah. why Vegas gives out the free drinks. So it's not like they're, they're not charging you an arm and a leg for drinks in, in Canadian casinos, but yeah, you do have to pay for them. Mm-hmm. And, um, What's, like, the most you've ever won gambling? <sighs> Nothing, like, crazy. I mean, probably at the horse track, I've, I've, I've a couple times I've hit, like, an exacta or a trifecta where I've walked out with, like, seven, 800 bucks on, like, a pretty small bet, like, mm-hmm. a, you know, a, a 10 or a $20 bet kind of thing. But okay. uh, nothing, you know, or and, you know, I, I win two, three, four hundred bucks relatively routinely on, you know, on, on sports betting or on uh, uh, on horses sometimes. Or I've had some good nights at the poker table where I've gone. And I used to, when I was in Newfoundland, because uh, I, I did my undergrad in St. John's, Newfoundland, and we used to do a poker game. Uh, at, at the bar I was bartending at, they used to have a poker game after hours, and I used to pay my rent off that poker really? game. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know if it was the the, the the players I was playing against, or I just, I was just at a, in kind of a zone at that point. But yeah, I, I literally used to, like, I'd, I'd work at the bar, and I'd make, you know, my 70, 80 bucks in tips, and then uh-huh. I would, you know, we'd have the poker game after, and I ended up walking out with 300, 400 bucks every, you know, not every time, but a lot of the time. So, That's yeah. so awesome. <laughs> um, what was the, what else was I gonna ask? Um, oh, have you ever have you been to the the horse track out here, San Anita? No, I haven't yet. I know it because we we used to. I've bet on it off track betting back home because uh-huh. if you, if you go off track betting is I don't know. I mean, you, there's like the off track betting parlors where it's just off track betting, or if you even go to like the real race tracks, they still have all the off track betting. So mm-hmm. it, it's. It's not something I try to do too often because the problem with off-track betting is you'll just you'll start betting too much because yeah. it's it's and even if you're at the real horse track because if you go to the real horse track there's ten races in a day mm-hmm. you place your bet and then after the race is done you got you know uh, 10, 12 minutes till the next post fifteen minutes till the next post so you can take your time and you look at the thing and you choose your bet and you talk to your friend and you have a drink and you do a thing whereas when there's off-track betting especially if you get really into it it's like as soon as the race is done you're like okay what's the next race that's going to post oh there's another race starting in three minutes in, at Santa Anita so I'm gonna bet on that one and then oh there's another one at Gulfstream I'm going to bet on that and oh there's another one at, the, at Aqueduct and I'm going to bet and so you just it's like you're just constantly trying to like keep up with when these post times are and it kind of takes a lot of the sort of the social fun out of it yeah but, uh, very but, focused but I've done it too sometimes because sometimes you just get into the gambling kind of thing uh-huh. yeah so how much money do you think you've lost on gambling <laughs> A lot. I, yeah. I, I I don't even know how I quantify. If I took all of the money that I have spent on gambling, drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, I like I don't even like it. it I don't know how to quantify it. It would be hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Like mm-hmm. in my life since I started doing stupid shit like drugs and sick smoking and gambling and that kind of shit. Yeah, it'd be probably hundreds of thousands. I mean. If you added it all up, who, I mean, it could be a million bucks. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how much it is. I, I've certainly spent a huge amount of money mm-hmm. on 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 these various vices that I have. Yeah. Way too much. I mean, cigarettes alone, I've probably, you know, averaged it out twenty four years. Averaged it out at five, you know, five or six bucks a pack because they used to be lower and now they're obviously higher. What is that? That's that's three hundred sixty five days times six bucks. That's sorry, I'm going to do quick math in my head. <laughs> three hundred six hundred. So that's that's like four grand a year for four to five grand a year for 24 years what is that that's 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 you know 24 40 it's like it's 
And so it's almost $100,000 right there just on cigarettes that, mm-hmm. I've, that I've probably spent. Like, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, th- that's also kind of a, an amazing testament. It's just, like, money is so... I don't know. It just comes and goes. Yeah. Well, yeah. and and that's I think and that's also I think a better philosophy to have too. Like yeah. I never sit there thinking, oh, if I had just because it's not like I would have. It's not like I would have taken all the money I spent on cigarettes yeah. and like put it in a jar and been like, okay, this is the money I would spend on cigarettes. So instead yeah, of just no going in a jar, like that. no, I just it just would have gone on something else that was stupid. It would have yeah. gone on a trip or it would have gone on you know me buying you know a, 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 an extra couple of beers at the bar. Would have. Yeah. So it's not. Yeah. It's, Everything's a vice. Yeah. Exactly. Everything I mean, boils down to that. I, I think if you were smart and like you had kids and like. Like when they were 13 and you caught one of them smoking and you stopped them from ever smoking and you're like, but I'm also going to make you put away yeah. eight bucks a day that you would be spending on smoking if I hadn't stopped you from smoking so that one day when you're 37 years old, you're going to have a hundred grand in a jar. Yeah. And the kid's just like, I'm just going to keep smoking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm not going to save money. I don't yeah, care about this. No, fuck it. They, they should. I should. I should have, I should say. But whatever, yeah. it's been a pretty fun life, so I don't, yeah. I don't really have that much, that much, you know. And I mean, again, people are like, "Well, gambling's dumb because you know you're you're just y- yeah, you can win, but you lose so much more often, and you're just throwing your money away." But it's not just throwing your money away because it's fun while it's happening. Yeah, it's the memories you make. It's yeah, yeah. like it's the same with drugs. People, oh, you shouldn't spend your money on drugs. Well, you have nothing to show for it after you get high, and then but yeah, but you're high. It's fun. Yeah, you know what's the difference between that and anything else? If I go to a movie, I'm not still watching the movie for the rest of my life. I see it, it's fun, and then it's done. Yeah, so exactly. If it's a fun experience and you enjoyed it while it was happening it's just it, when it gets to a point where like the negatives start to outweigh the positives I yeah. mean if you're having if you're doing drugs and yeah you're, you're enjoying it while you're high but you're feeling like shit the rest of the time and you're bankrupting your family then it's you know the, the negatives start to outweigh the positives but, true yeah. you, you have a balance yeah. with any vice exactly. which it seems like exactly what you're doing well I mean I sometimes I was able to sometimes I wasn't and yeah. you know I, I you know uh, I, cocaine probably at least somewhat contributed to the decline of my first marriage and mm-hmm. there was certainly you know times when I've lost jobs because of it and you know found myself you know completely broke and borrowing money because of it like I, I probably fucked up my life on a few different occasions mm-hmm. and like had to start over because of drugs so yeah I certainly wasn't always able to find the balance yeah. and uh, it got the best of me sometimes mm-hmm. but uh, at least know. you were able to start over though some people some people can't yeah, yeah. you know I, I don't know I, I've always been pretty resourceful and able to kind of get back on my feet you know with help from people too I don't want to be like I'm totally you know my yeah. my family's helped me and friends have helped me and you know I've always had a lot of pretty good support system so nice yeah well any any closing thoughts on gambling or any of it no, I just, you know, do what you're going to do. I, this has been super fun, man. Yeah. I think it's just, people should just do what they're going to do. If you want to get high or get drunk or, you know, gamble on shit. And, like, I'm not going to, I'd never tell anybody not to do something. Yeah. Like, I, 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 like I, who the fuck am I to judge Life's anybody? Life's too short. Anything? Yeah. Do stupid shit. And I'm not going to be like, oh, well, but be careful while you're doing it. Because, I don't know, part of the fun is not being careful when you're really into it. But I'm yeah. certainly not going to advocate, like, go out and get high or anything. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those guys either. Everybody should go out and get fucked up right now. I don't know. It works, worked for me. It really doesn't work for some people. Like, yeah. it really fucks up people's lives. Like, it's, drugs can be really bad for some people. Alcohol can be really terrible for some people. And it's fucked up a lot of lives and, you know, ruined a lot of families. A lot of people have died. I'm not advocating to do anything right. whatsoever. But for me, you know, I was able to have some fun doing yeah. that kind of stuff. So Yeah, so listener, if you think you're going to... If you think you want to ruin your life, just don't do that part. Yeah, yeah. just, you know, try to... Yeah, I, again, yeah, just, you know, do whatever you're going to do. I'm not your dad, so whatever. <laughs> have fun if you want to have fun. But, uh, you know... Just, uh, you know, try to keep a sort of mind on the way that it affects you and how it's affecting people around you and that kind of thing. Yeah. Wise words. Yeah. Well, thank you, Andrew. (laughs) Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. This was super fun. Good. I'm glad you had a good time.